Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today I'm joined again with my boyfriend, Michael Barella, who has made the most knives of anyone I know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that makes me sound like a serial killer. No, you just, you know, you're a crafty person (laughs) (laughs) who likes woodwork and metalwork. Yeah. Is that the right words? Yeah. Okay, so this this is a cool story that we're doing today. This is a um, short story, Miss Marple. And the reason it's cool is it's called, um, the the series that she did was called The Tuesday Night Club, where a bunch of amateur sleuths, such as Miss Marple or a lawyer, there was a um, Sir Henry Clithering, one of the cops, um, come together and they would each present a story. Mm-hmm. And then the other people sitting at the table would try and solve it. So the Tuesday Night Club is where I got the name for the podcast, the Tuesday oh, cool. Night Mystery Club. Yeah. So I thought it'd be fun to do one of these. And so this is a story um, that Mr. Prethrick told, and he is a solicitor. So he's a lawyer. Um, and I don't know when it was written. I forgot to look it up. Oh, and oh, oh, I guess I should, the title of the story is Motive Versus Opportunity. So keep that in mind. Are you ready to get started? Yeah. Okay. So his story, Mr. Prethrick's story concerns a former client of his, and the name of the guy was Mr. Simon Claude. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of, he starts up by kind of giving like description of what Simon Claude was like. He was... um, a very rich man. He only had one son who had actually was killed in the war. And so he ended up raising his only granddaughter because both the son um, and the son's wife oh. had passed away. I think the wife died in childbirth. That's like the easiest way to get rid of one in this book, <laughs> these books. Like it comes up all the time where it's like, oh yes, such and such died and their wife had died in childbirth. So they were all out of the picture. Women never die cool deaths unless they're murdered. I guess. Is that a cool death, though? Childbirth? Murder. Murder? That's cooler than childbirth. I guess it's your child murdering you. It's basically the same thing. (laughs) No? Too far? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the name of the granddaughter was Little Chris, and he adored her. He loved her so much. He spoiled her. Um, They were like a great pair together. The kind of, you know, that was the town would have described them as like really cute Um, But sadly, she ends up dying at the age of 11 from, like, just very suddenly from pneumonia. Okay. Because the medical system wasn't great. So he was extremely distraught at this point and was for maybe many years. He ended up taking in then his brother's kids. So his nieces, he had a couple of nieces and nephews. Okay. Um, His brother had died, so they were, again, without, without parents. And so the name of the nieces and nephews were... Grace, Mary, and George. Okay. He does not love them the same that he loved his granddaughter. Like he can't, he doesn't have the same space in his heart for them. But Mm -hmm. he he does, he does care for them. And he ends up finding George a job. Um, Grace gets married to a guy named Philip Garrod. So then she becomes Grace Garrod. And Mary, the youngest, ends up just living with Simon in their mansion or house or whatever and taking care of him. Like she becomes... um, I forget what they call those kinds of people, but... Wait, so say that again. Grace marries who? Philip Garode. Philip? Yeah, Philip. And Mary? Mary just stays at home with Simon. Like, she just takes care of the house and takes care of Simon. What about George? George, they find him a job at a bank. Oh. Yeah. So basically, they're just saying they've all become adults and they've all kind of started doing what they're probably, like, what they're going to do. Okay. 
So over time, Simon kind of gets interested in the spirit business and the spirit world. And while he's at maybe a bar or something, he meets this woman called Mrs. Eurydice Sprague. And she's she's like a, a spiritual reader. Like she contacts spirits and can talk to them for you. Okay. And so she has she has contacted little Chris, the granddaughter, and is telling Simon all of these things, how much, how happy she is in heaven with her parents, et cetera, et cetera. And the family is really worried that Simon is being taken advantage of by this woman because she just doesn't, she seems larger than life and like she might be faking it and not, yeah. you know, like take whatever, trying to get money out of him. Um, and so they contact um, Mr. Prethrick, the solicitor, to kind of see if he can do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so he decides that he like makes up a reason to pay Mr. Simon Claude a visit to kind of see what's going on with his own eyes. And he finds that Mrs. Eurydice Sprague and her husband, Absalon Sprague, aren't those great names? Mm-hmm. I don't, apparently they're American. I'm not sure where they come from. Yeah, I've never heard of them before. <laughs> um, but they're living in the house. They've like really taken over. Oh, what the hell? Yeah. Okay. So they're around full time. And Simon tells Mr. Prethrick that he's almost starting to regard Eurydice as like a daughter. Mm. So I apparently he says that like Eurydice doesn't care anything about money. Like that's not her deal. Like she just wants Simon to be happy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the whole family's like, but how much money are you giving her? Mm-hmm. She doesn't care about it type thing. Um, so Prethrick isn't happy. He's not happy to see his, like, he, uh, he, he also feels like the client's being taken advantage of. So he ends up running into Philip Garode um, and tells him what's going on at the house. Because mm-hmm. he's kind of like, you should be aware of this because um, you and your wife, Grace, you should just be aware and kind of maybe you want to do something about it. Yeah. Um, which Philip is like, yeah, for sure. So he goes, he kind of goes to the house to try and stop it. And the way he does that, he, he brings this like famous professor who is like, who like does all his research on the spiritual world and knows um, who's actually credible and who's not. And so he brings him in and um, the professor, like after meeting Miss Eurydice Sprague kind of says, he's never heard of her before. He can't say whether she's credible or not, but mm-hmm. he could like he could advise on who you should hire, like who okay. he knows are like real people. Which guess guess how Simon Claude feels about this? Uh, adverse. Is he happy? No. 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 He's pissed. He's so mad that the family's trying. This is like his granddaughter who he loves so much, and mm-hmm. these people are trying to take the, like this one happiness away from him. So he throws Philip out. He's like, "Get out of my house!" And then he. He urgently summons Prethrick, the lawyer, to come write him a new will. Uh oh. But in I, because in this matter of time, his health has got worse. He was mm-hmm. so like, can you imagine being so mad at someone that like you become bedridden because mm-hmm. your health is so bad? No, I can't imagine. <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of the idea they're giving. So the lawyer arrives and he he can't do anything. Like the guy wants to write a new will. He kind of says he's of sound health. Like he yeah, I'm sorry, sound mind. Mm. Okay. Do you want to take a guess at how the will, new will, who it favors? Everything goes to the Sprags. Yep. Yeah. So that he leaves 5,000 pounds to each of his nieces and his nephews and the rest outright to Eurydice Sprags. So like the house, all of his belongings, and the rest of the money. Yeah, the remaining like 50 million. Yeah. So um, he has this will written out, or he has like 
um, a rough draft and the Prethric, the lawyer, kind of like edits it and shows him how he should amend it. And then he calls in his two servants, Emma, the housemaid, and Lucy, the cook, to bear witness. So like to sign. Yeah. So he asks Emma to go get his fountain pen from his desk and she opens the right drawer to take it out. And he kind of yells at her like, it's supposed to be in the left drawer, you dummy. Like, you know that. And she's like, well, it's in this, it was in this drawer. And he goes, oh, well, you must have put it back wrong the last time. Okay. So she brings it over. They rewrite the will. They all three of them sign it. And then Prethric folds it up and puts it in. What were the, the, you said, who were the two people again? The housemaid, Emma. Maid? Okay. And the cook, Lucy. So like two servants yeah. that have been working there. Like, let's just assume for a really long time. Okay. Yeah. So Prethric has brought with him like a blue envelope and he folds it up and puts the will in there and then puts it in his coat pocket. Okay. And then he goes downstairs and Mary invites him to like come into the drawing room for tea before he leaves, which he accepts. Um, and he takes his coat off and puts it on the back of a chair. Mm-hmm. And just I, I just to be clear, the, the envelope is unsealed. Like he's put the will into it, but he hasn't sealed the envelope yet. Okay. So they have tea and then... That's Mary? They have tea? Mary, yeah. So Mary's like, she's the, she's the girl who's like taking yeah. care of the house. You're so clear on everything making sure <laughs> um so after tea george asks prethric to come in he's so george is staying in the house right now too he's the other he's the nephew that works for the bank yeah um so george has some matter of the estate that he wants to discuss that he's been left in charge of and he wants prethric's opinion so mm-hmm. they go into the study to discuss that and mary comes with them in they're like in the study for about 15 minutes and when he goes back into the drawing room to get his coat before he leaves oh Mrs. Sprague is bent over that chair where his coat was and the envelope is lying on the floor. Mm-hmm. So it's, he's just kind of noting that that happened. Uh, she says something about how um, the chair cover doesn't fit right and she could sew a better one. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he gets his coat, he goes back to the office and he puts the envelope on his desk and immediately he's called into another room to take a phone call. He says the telephone at his desk wasn't working. He's not guarding this envelope very much. No, right? Um, it's still not sealed. So he goes, when he, he comes, uh-huh. <laughs> phone call takes about five minutes. He comes back into his office and Mr. Sprague is sitting at the desk and basically just wants to tell him, listen, we're not bad people. I swear we're good people. Yeah. Um, and he's like, he basically is like, yeah, sure. Get out of my office. And then at this point, he finally seals the envelope and puts it in the safe. Yeah. After like 50 people have touched it. <laughs> <laughs> Good, good thinking. Would you hire this lawyer? No. That's garbage. Is that what his story is? <laughs> okay. So Simon Claude ends up dying two months later. And when he takes the sealed envelope out of the safe, it only contains a blank piece of paper. Oh, no way. <laughs> it looks like somebody tampered with it. Okay. So go for it. What do you think happens? Sure. So just wait, before you start, what would have happened is like, all of these people are sitting around a table and Mr. Prather finishes telling his story. And then all the, like everyone shares like their idea of what happened, mm. but I'm not going to tell you any of their, their guesses. I just want your own guess. Okay. Pretend you're sitting at the table with Miss Marple. Um, and you're telling her what your guess is. Yeah. I, I'm still catching up here. So he takes the phone call and then the, the Mr. Sprague is in his office. Yeah. Right. And then he finally seals the envelope. Yeah. Got it. Does they do, are there any details about? So it says George, Mary, and Prethwick went to the study to talk about something with the estate, right? Yeah. They never talk about. They never mention anything. Of, what's that about? Uh, 
or it's not relevant. No. Yeah. Okay. Simon, Simon had trusted George to do something with the estate and George was kind of freaked out. Like he was like, Oh my God, I've never done anything like this before and wanted some help. So Prather like gives some advice. Hmm. I'm trying to think about, uh, Oh, you said the title is motive versus opportunity, right? I did. I did say that. So hmm. I'm just trying to think. So, so you also mentioned that the Sprags don't care about money, but like who doesn't care about money, right? Yeah, man. And then, so, okay. So motive would be any of the um, nieces and nephews, right? Because they know they're not going to get any money. Yeah. So there would be motive to basically make sure that they get money, basically. Mm-hmm. from the will to tamper with the will mm-hmm. so they would want there to be a blank envelope but both mary and george were with prathwick when the first opportunity to tamper with the envelope yeah arose right mm-hmm. when uh what's her name miss sprague or mm-hmm. mrs sprague yep. was over the chair and yep. the envelope was on the floor mm-hmm. mm. And then the second opportunity would have been when he was taking the phone call and then it was mr sprague yes where is uh where is Philip and Grace in all of this? They're not here. They were kicked out of the house. I don't even know if Grace factors into the story at all. It was just Philip that got kicked out of the house. Like they're they're married, right? So they're living in their own their own place. Yeah, I'm just thinking that Philip called wait, how does Prethwick get involved? Who calls Prethwick? The first time? Yeah. Uh it's like a chance encounter with George. George. He, he runs into him and George says Listen, it's just kind of like the fam is kind of right. saying, okay. we're George worried. George tells Prathic, Prathic tells Philip. Yep. He brings the professor guy. Yep. And then Simon gets pissed off and throws both Philip and the professor out of the house. Uh, the professor the professor was just there for dinner. So he leaves on his own accord. And then Philip, like, Philip talks to the professor, gets what the professor thinks, tells it to Simon, and then Simon kicks, kicks Philip out. Whereas the professor was like, long run. I see. I was wondering if that was an inside job. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who's floating around while he's leaving the envelope unattended. I see. Because like, it doesn't really make sense for the Sprags to tamper with the will. If do you think she actually read the will when in that 15 minutes? Like, do you think she took it out of the envelope, or like that was just like a coincidence? I, I don't see how that would be a coincidence. Okay. Why would the envelope be on the floor if she's checking the cover know. of the chair? I'm just asking. So, I mean, maybe that's the answer and you're trying to tell me that, but I don't get it. thing that makes it weird is, like, it, it wouldn't be advantageous for them to tamper with the will unless they actually didn't want any money, which would be really weird. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, like, if they actually didn't want money, they would replace the will with a blank piece of paper. Basically, the people who have motive to change the will don't yeah. have the opportunity to change the will. Yeah. The people who have the opportunity to change the will don't have the motive to change the will. Correct. Motive versus opportunity title of the book, the story. Okay, do you want to hear a comment? Miss Markle solves this immediately because, you know, she's a boss-ass woman. Do you want to hear the comment that she made to Prethrick, like to the table? It's not the answer. It's not the answer. It's okay. kind of like a hint. Sure. So she says, she she's laughing. She starts laughing once the story's done. And um, I think her nephew, Raymond West or whatever, I forget his name, but he shows up in a lot of stories. Um He's kind of goes, oh, Aunt Jane, why are you laughing? Like, do you want to share the joke with the rest of us? And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just remembering last Sunday at like Sunday school, one of the little boys, little Tommy, asked the Sunday school teacher, um, do you say yolk of egg is white or yolk of eggs are white? What do you think between the two? What? Do you say like grammarly, what is correct? 
yolk of eggs is white or yolk of eggs are white? Well, so the, the <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to say anything. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is. So <laughs> I don't know the answer either. But the Sunday school teacher goes something are. like, yeah, she's like, you would either say yolk of eggs are white or yolk of egg is white. Like it's not eggs is white. And yeah, Tommy, Tommy burst out laughing saying, but yolk of egg is yellow, not white. <laughs> Michael's face right now is disappointment. <laughs> so that's her clue. That's her clue. You got to think out loud, man. The listeners want to hear you. I don't, I'm trying to figure out what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means. What was your first thought when I said that? Uh, honestly, that the whole time you were talking about eggs and yolks being white, I was like, that doesn't make any sense, but I'll just go with it. And then you said the yolks are yellow. And I was like, well, yeah, obviously. Well, I was trying to get you to say something and you didn't, you just wanted to keep silent. <laughs> okay. So I'm thinking that it's like, like the point of that joke is that it's like a distraction, right? Mm-hmm. The question is like distracting. It's detracting from the fact that yolks aren't yellow or your yolks are yellow not white i'm shaking my head vigorously so yes what is the detraction distraction or detraction yeah the same thing okay like what is the equivalent in the story is it like uh the fact that both the sprags had access to the envelope is like a false lead Mm -hmm. but what would that mean was there any points in the story that i told you and you were like this doesn't seem important why'd she include this Oh, wait. No, this better not be like the last episode where it's the maid. (laughs) I was thinking about the pen. So the pen is in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. Why'd I say that? Well, maybe somebody else used the pen. Oh, you're going to hate the answer to this. Do you want to hear it? No, no, no. (laughs) Not yet, not yet. Okay, so the guy calls Prethwick because he wants to change his will. And most likely all the money will go to the Sprags. Mm -hmm. Then... What are, what are the, he, what is he, he just calls the maid to get the, the maid Emma to get the pen? Well, they mostly, they need the maid and they need the cook to be a bear witness. Like they need right, to right, sign, but there. he's an invalid. So he can't go to bed. So he just asks her to get the pen for him because she would know where it is because she like, or like sh- to go into his drawers. I don't know why he didn't ask oh, wait, wait, So he's not actually writing anything. Yeah, he does. He writes his will mm. and he gets every, both of them to sign it. Like, he didn't need Prethrick there necessarily. Like, you don't need a lawyer to make a will. He was just there to, like, make sure the, like, legality and everything yeah. was correct. So I'm thinking, like, did somebody take the pen and write a different will? And that's why I was in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And then he writes a will. And then, like, swap the papers. Yeah, and then they're swapped. But it was swapped with a blank piece of paper. Mm-hmm. There was no writing on it. Are there three wills? <laughs> Does one? it just say will at the top of it? Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to hear the solution? I think you're spiraling. The pen is the yoke. The pen is the yoke. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. We're watching Michael right now just spiral out of control. I want I want to get the answer. <laughs> the pen! The pen is the yoke! Let me tell you. We're going to be here all day. No. We're going to make this an hour episode of silence. I'm going to cut it all it, out. <laughs> okay, fine. Tell me. <laughs> okay. So how this is Mr. Prethrick's description of how how he kind of finds out the answer, because the idea behind all of this are like cases that were previously unsolved or like went unsolved. And that's why like they wouldn't have been written about in the news and no one would have heard about them necessarily. 
So Prethrick says, I happened to be having dinner, like having a drink with Philip Garrod or Garrod or however you pronounced his name. And he said, oh, I had an interest, like a friend telling me an interesting case. I thought you might want to hear about it. And Prethrick goes, okay, yeah, sure. And he goes, but this is, this is in confidence, right? He's like, yeah. He said, yeah, a friend of mine um, was having, you know, some family troubles where they were worried that um, an older family member was going to die and leave money to the wrong person. And so that that family member asked the loyal servant, he gave her a pen and he said, put this in the wrong desk drawer. And if you're asked to sign everything, get that pen instead of the usual one. And uh, that's all he said. And uh, was it invisible ink? Yeah. And uh, Prethrick goes, yes, that is interesting. And Philip goes, but this is, you know, this is a friend. You don't know this person, correct? And Prethrick goes, you're right. I don't know this person. Mm. Okay, I know this is going to ruin the whole plot, but you could totally still read what was written, if, even if it wasn't visible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's disappearing ink. And so uh, Miss Marple got that right off the back because she said she used to play with it. Mm. Wait, so does the maid get the money or what? No, she gets nothing. She was just loyal. Mm. Maybe Philip Grove gets gives her something. Yeah, gives her the pity five thousand. Yeah, how do you feel about all this, Michael? Yeah, I feel like I should have got that one. <laughs> Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was pretty close. You know, I'll, I'll give myself that. You know, the Sprags. You know, that was totally the white yoke. Yep. It it was too obvious. The, the, you know, they, they. It wasn't. It was not a normal story. This is definitely. No, but like it, it was exactly like what. Um, we were saying before where they have all the opportunity and none of the motive. Yeah. So it couldn't have been them versus, but it's like, it's so obvious that it, they're the only ones who could have tampered with. Yeah. It. It's, it's like purposely written that way, probably. Okay. But my question is, so she took a different pen. Yeah. But it was, the, it, it was would the have same. had to have been the same yeah. pen. Yeah. They were the same pen. And she didn't know, like she wasn't told this is invisible ink. She was, she was just loyal and just was told, take this pen if you're told to sign anything. And she did it. So now I know. Yep. Use your own pen. Boom. Keep it under your pillow. Or, you know, type it out. I guess <laughs> they could have done that in, when is this written? I think they had typewriters. Mm. Probably. I don't know. I didn't look up the year. Well, thank you, Michael. All thank right, you. Maybe, maybe third time's a charm. <laughs> <laughs> Next month yeah. when we come back. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe to... <laughs> what did you say? Say it. Say it. <laughs> Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Don't forget to click the bell so you get notifications every time I post a video. <laughs> and follow- Subscribe to my Instagram page. <laughs> no, actually, though, my Instagram is called Tuesday Night Mystery Club. It's new. Um, you know, working on new material. It's going to be hella good. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone.